good morning. Again, you can only imagine the kind of messages I get. You can get from, again, pardon my voice once again. Right now, I'm fighting my body. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to be speaking a word. Um, but you can imagine the kind of messages I get. I can get some of the most encouraging, um, you know, the good and great testimonies. And then you can get some of the, um, some of the messages that breaks your heart. And what I would then be asking God is, what is your response in all of this? How do you speak? How do you intend to speak? What is it that you want us to know? What do you want our mind and focus to be on, set upon? To both the person that's got the greatest of testimonies, to the person who may be experiencing great pain, and sorrow, and is in a time of mourning. Um, and there's one thing I want to speak to you, you know. I won't explain what, I've, what I'm about to say, but even as I'm speaking, I can hear the scripture that says, I am the resurrection and the life. And maybe we'll get into this because you see that statement, that is key. I want you guys to hear me from those that are in the room with me now and those that are tuned in. I want you to hear this very carefully. That that statement, when Christ came and said, I am the resurrection and the life, is key to revival. What I want to speak to you about is the spirit this, after, this morning or this afternoon. And I don't want to take your time, but I want to instruct us. I want to allow the Holy Spirit to instruct us. What do we believe? When the word of God is spoken to the heart that receives the word, what happens is that the word enters us and gives us the enabling power to do what the word is saying. So the biggest fight we will have in the atmosphere or under the atmosphere of the word is in the receiving of that word. Again, recently I've spoken to you out of the story where there's the parable of the sower. I've spoken to you that the different conditions, the different hearts at which the word is sown upon. And what we know is that we need to have a heart that is ready for harvest. What is God looking for? What does God want to promote? What does God want to prosper? He wants to prosper the growth of the message. So again, in Anana, what God is looking at is not her, behavior, her behavioral patterns. God is not looking at if she's a good girl or bad girl because... As I started today saying that I can hear the testimony of the greatest thing. And this same morning I can hear the testimony of something terrible. And I would not wish for the, for the person I consider my worst enemy. What I've realized is that God's word balances between the two. God's word is befitting. It, it meets. Are you listening to me? I hope you're not distracted. God's word meets both the great testimony and the bad testimony. God's word is capable, it's able, it's potent enough to bring forth change. So when we get into this conversation, and I believe that what God is doing with us as the COD family is that he's bringing us back 
or he's again reiterating his purpose that irrespective as i was saying of the behavioral pattern of any one individual a person can be brought into the playing field god can create leverage upon the person that just chooses to receive his word so imagine in the word we have mary madeline the woman from whom seven demons were cast out the one caught in adultery then we have mary the virgin mary as we call her we also see people like rahab and then we see some people like elizabeth people whose life was totally de dedicated to god or deborah and other prophetess that you would see what am i trying to show you that contrary to our religious beliefs we thought that the first thing that god wants to do in our lives is to reform our character or let me say reform our behavioral patterns no the first thing that god is going to do to you and i cod are you on and are you listening to me because i won't take your time at all you'll be surprised the first thing that god wants to do for you and i is introduce purpose to us yesterday i then took you into scripture where the bible started to show us that there's a difference between love and vision as suppose to the servant of a vision i showed you through the life of jacob that this was a son of covenant as you and i are we are sons we are children of covenant but we must not allow that title to be a room or create room for complacency because even the child of covenant must meet certain conditions if they're going to be blessed so in case you missed my point yesterday i wanted to emphasize that jacob being the son of covenant being from the lineage of abraham and isaac the great abraham the great isaac jacob will end his story letting him know that his years his years of pilgrimage has been few and hard few and evil and why is that when vision when purpose came to him in the form of joseph which would then be an unconventional way of purpose coming to a sicily purpose coming to a nana purpose coming to a marian it came in an unconventional way Jacob was unable to serve Joseph because he could not agree with what he was seeing. We realized yesterday through scripture and through the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit that one will refuse to serve God, serve God's purpose because they are too busy serving themselves. They care because they are in their youth as a young woman, they care more about their looks, so they serve their image more than they serve the purpose they serve the the idea that community and culture has built that you are to have if you are to see if you are to be seen as someone that is worth anything so they tell you by a certain age you must be in a relationship or you must be married or you must look like you have in order to be accepted by a mediocre community why is these things things that we must reiterate upon because these are the things that will make you 
in the things of the spirit, in the realities of the spirit, make you say to God that I'm not willing to serve you. So I was telling some people yesterday that I've actually said to myself, wherever, Lord, you want to move us, I will accept. I realized that does God want us to move houses? And I'll use that as a simple example, but a simple example to illustrate many things that is in your lives, which only you can define for yourself. Does God want us to move? 100%. Does God want me concerned about it? No. He says, do not worry about anything. And he began to show us how even the birds of the air, how they are taken care of. And his wonder is, why does mankind worry when there are things which are beneath you are still being met with everything that it needs? He says, why are you worried? Why are you concerned? Why are you hindrance? Uh, why are you um, creating hindrances to my move? Do you remember the scripture that we saw yesterday? That the heart is like a road by which God travels. Another translation said it was the highway of holiness. And I said to you, a highway or in this country, what we would call a motorway, is a place where you will not see traffic lights. Meaning that as soon as you enter, there's no need for stops unless there has been a problem on the motorway. Like a vehicle crashing or roadworks. But the normal function of a motorway is to provide movement without hindrance. So God says to you and I, why are you worried? People want to be something and they hear that there's a form of sicknesses. Or, and forgive me as I get into the word, but people get into all kinds of um, turbulence and darkness, formlessness, chaos that emerges in their lives. And they begin to worry. And God says, why are you worried? Why do you, why do you put yourself through things that you cannot change? So what does God say to me? That I don't need you concerned and worried. There's only one thing that I need your affection in. And that is me and my purpose. So I got to a place and I'll be saying to myself, sometimes kicking myself in a, um, kicking myself almost, but I know that we shouldn't. You should never condemn yourself. But I'll be thinking, why is it only now that I'm realizing that I should not have concerns about these things? And God reminds me of the scripture that when you finally enter call, and this is just me creating kind of um, um, foundational points before I get into the main topic today I realize scriptures like the Bible says that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want you know that became something that we quickly begin to repeat or state but we do not understand the need we do not understand the depths of it that as far as I recognize that I'm a follower as far as I recognize that I'm a sheep and that I have a shepherd and that shepherd is the Lord. That shepherd is not my financial state. It's not what my bank account is saying. That shepherd is not if I have food or not. That shepherd is the Lord. The direct consequence 
what comes subsequent to me recognizing that the Lord is my shepherd is that I will never be in a position of wanting, meaning I'm totally content with knowing that he is shepherd over me. So I don't even want a house. It's more so whatever is needed or whatever God brings is what is needed for me. And I must accept that him being the Lord is that at times I may not recognize that this is meaningful or this is needed. But as time passes, I will realize that this was the most befitting thing for me. Another scripture that God used to encourage me, not to produce a nonchalant life, but to further equip or strengthen my faith is the scripture, John 21, we're not going there. Where Christ said to Peter three times, do you love me? If so, serve, feed, tend my sheep. Then he said, when you were younger, you can dress yourself and go wherever you want. But when you enter maturity, you will stretch your hands. Others will dress you and others will take you where you do not want to go. Meaning that maturity will be best seen in my life when I submit my way to the one that leads me. And that brings me to the place of the topic of what I want to speak to you as we begin this series or as we enter a place, as we fast approach a place of revival. Revival of going out and winning souls. Revival in the place of prayer. Revival in our finances. Revival as it should be. But that brings me to a place where the only person that led Peter was the Spirit of God. Are you listening to me, COD? Let me make sure that you're all on with me before I proceed further so that you do not miss the very simple message that I want to speak to you or that the Holy Spirit has laid on my heart to speak to you so that you may know how you ought to be moving in such time. Again, Peter what was going to establish his reign as a chief apostle, what was going to make him lead the greatest move of God up to date, what was going to make him be someone that the world would testify that these are they who turned the world upside down, a common fisherman, a rejected and abused tax collector, a doubting Thomas, how did these men's life transform into them that would take the world? How would a simple Anna, how would a simple grace, how would a simple Elohim get into a place whereby despite where you're coming from, the testimony that will be spoken of you is that these are they who served God's purpose in their own generation. These are they who turned the world upside down. These are they who turned, who changed the face, the attitude, the direction of London City and its youth. How would that become our testimony? Is going to be at the entrance of the Holy Spirit that leads your life. So I submit this morning and I say these things to you so that if there are any conflict in your own heart and mind, maybe you will find rest in what I've just found rest in. That 
I understand that the Lord is my shepherd and I will not want, therefore. There will be nothing lacking in my life. And that maturity is marked by him leading me. And if I allowed that, because remember that the scripture would then say to us that, um, that them that are led by the spirit are the sons of God. What will mark you as a son? The fact that you have surrendered and yielded totally to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit says that at this point you need to be homeless, I will not feel like I'm homeless because in him I find refuge. Again, the scriptures we went into yesterday, what were they looking for? A dwelling place. But what was the dwelling place that they were speaking of? God himself. Are you following me, COD? So I want us to get into scripture, maybe go back to the beginning. And my main scripture is still going to be Genesis 1 today, my only scripture. But I want to start off with one of the remarks that Paul the Apostle was going to make to the Corinthian church. So please, first of all, go to 1 Corinthians for me. Chapter 12. You're going to read verse 1, but I want you to read it in the Amplified translation for me before you read again i want to ensure that cod is following me throughout all of this that nobody here is too big for the word and that you will give me just 20 minutes of your focus and i'll be out of your way today so first corinthians chapter 12 from verse 1 in the amplified once you're there i want you to tell me you're there and i'll let pastor ib read from there I'll wait. I'm not going to rush this because I know it's something that God laid on my heart to speak. Again, what am I speaking about? The spirit that lives in you. I want you to know the character. I want you to know the functionalities of the spirit so that your condemnation will never again be able to cripple the move of the spirit. That you will never allow your flesh to nullify the power and the move of the spirit. You will never allow the condemnation of first yourself and the condemnation that comes from the external factors that surround you. You will never allow it again to make you feel that God doesn't want to use you. I want you to hear me carefully, COD, that God wants to use you and I to change our generation to change the United Kingdom, to change Europe and countries abroad, America, Canada and all. But since we're all there, let's start from verse 1, please. Now about the spiritual gifts, the special endowments given by the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I want you to read this once more because this is the cry of Paul. Paul discovered something. Paul came into contact with a power. Not only that, what he wanted to make the church know was how this spirit functions. The character, the gifts, the operations of the spirit. Because if a Sicily is going to take a world, it is not going to be based on how bright she is. It's not going to be based on your noble upbringing. 
is going to be based on if you, first of all, understands the character, the functionalities, the operations of the Spirit. So I want you to read this verse, but with, with the anointing. I want you to read it with passion. What Paul began to cry out to the church. Go on. Now, about the spiritual gifts. Now, if you're reading this with me, you would see that the word gifts is in italics. Now, because I've studied this before, the reason why it's in italics is because from the original text or translation or language, gifts was not there. The word gifts was not there. But for us to understand it in our language, they had to add it so we understand it. So what the scripture was actually saying, what Paul actually said was now about the spiritual. Not now about the spiritual gifts. No, he said now about the spiritual. I needed you to take note of that. So what I needed to take note of, first of all, is that he's speaking to you not about what just comes out of the spirit. He wants you to understand the full realities the total realities of the spirit himself but what i want you to take note of is something that you've already missed where he says now yeah you're going to underline now right but carry on reading now the spiritual now about the spiritual go on the special endowments given by the holy spirit the special endowments given by the holy spirit what made the, the common fisherman to be a transformational leader, a leader of nations. It was not going to be his skill in fishing. It was not going to be his eloquence. It was not going to be how noble his upbringing was. It was simply going to be the special endowment given by the Holy Spirit. So how would we take the nation's COD? That special endowment, what am I doing? I'm preparing you for a time of prayer. A time when you will go again and begin to ask God to fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit because only by that can I change anything. I'm going to show you back in Genesis. This special endowments given by the Holy Spirit. Now, what does he say? Go on. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now he says to his family. Are you guys following me? Now he says to his family, I do not want you to be uninformed. Because the church that are unable to bring about change are men, are women, are people yet that, are, yes, are zealous, but they are uninformed about the operations, the character, the functionalities of the spirit. So they are fleshly beings, never considering the move of the spirit. Yes, they took it, but they do not understand the power of prayer. There are people among you that when targets are met, there's something in their heart that says, God can give me the way to that target. So there are people amongst you. These are not stories I'm making up. These are men, women among you who has got to a place where they know that there's a target and they believe that their only ability to get that target is if they go on their knees and pray a function of the spirit. And what do they do? They began to pray all night. 
then when they wake up, they begin to work. And all of a sudden, they're able to meet the targets that they thought they could never meet. Why? Because there was a special endowment that was given by the Holy Spirit when they asked. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? No, but Daniel taught us something. I'm helping you so that you know where we're going with soul winning, with revival. There's a time that Daniel was, um, had to go to the king because this king was getting ready to kill all the wise men because the wisdom of men was not able to bring the answer he was looking for. And he came to the king and said, do not kill anyone. I will give you the, the translation or the interpretation of this dream to you tomorrow. At the time when Daniel said this, did he know the dream or the interpretation? No. But what did he know? The operations, the functionalities of the spirit. And do you know what he did? He went back to his brothers, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And he began to pray that let the Lord give us wisdom. May he find mercy. May we find mercy before God. And may he give us wisdom. May he tell us the dream that we did not dream. May he give us interpretation of what human mind cannot understand. And after praying, because he understands the operation, what happened? He had the dream and the interpretation and in so doing, was able to save his generation. Now we look at others who are given tasks, targets. And because they are uninformed of the spiritual, the power base of every Christian, the enabling power of any Christian, because they are ignorant, they are uninformed, they are lazy, they are immature, and they are not ready to rise to an occasion, these same people may still say, I want to give, but they never counsel, they never seek the counsel of God. They never make use of the Holy Spirit. So now Paul says, now if you're going to be functionable, if you're going to be effective in your generation, brothers and sisters, I need you to know about the spiritual. I cannot afford for you. You cannot afford to be uninformed about the spiritual. So now follow me to Genesis chapter one and let's see some of the characters or maybe just today because I said I won't take your time. Maybe one or two characters of the Holy Spirit. Maybe there will be some amongst us. Hopefully all, but maybe at least some. At least one or two. Who in the approach of soul winning. Who in the approach of their business or raising finances. May start to see results because they are now, they are now informed about the spiritual. Genesis chapter 1, I want you to read it in the NIV. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. What do I want you to take note of again? Now. Verse 2 says now. First of all, I want you to know that every now circumstance demands for now people. Every circumstance that is happening, every situation that is happening now, is calling for now people. It's calling for now solutions. People who are daring to rise. As David did. But let me not go ahead of myself. So he says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth. Go on. 
was formless and empty. The earth was formless, the earth was empty, and what else? Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And darkness reigned supreme over the earth. But look at what the Bible now says about the spiritual. For I do not want you to be uninformed about the spiritual. What was the spirit doing? And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Shouldn't this be the last place that we would expect the spirit? Why is the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit as we call him, the Holy Spirit as we know him, why is this Holy Spirit in chaos? Why is the Spirit of God in formlessness? Why is he in emptiness? Why is he dancing around darkness? Because your religious ethics has told you before that God does not go near where there's darkness. He does not go near where it's empty, void, or formless. COD, are you listening to me? Because there's a breed of church that cannot bring any results. Because of their misconstrued or their, the fact that they are uninformed about the spiritual and the way he functions. But you will bring about harvest in your generation and our generation. We will bring about harvest because we're about to see something about the spirit of God again. Have you never asked yourself the question, as we see it with God, why is he in darkness you know what I found so amazing about this scripture? Is that God needed to show us the beginning of time and how to function in our now by telling us that God has never ran away from darkness. Yeah, I knew you wouldn't hear me with that. So look at the function of the church as it is. The church that does not understand the spirit will look at hope dealers and begin to say, why are you rapping like that? They're saying, I can't hear the message of Christ. The question you should ask them in the return is that, do you understand the message of Christ? Do you understand the spirit of grace? John 1 began to say that Jesus came full of grace and truth, meaning that the real function of God was going to be seen through him. And one of the first things we saw about Christ is that if Christ was all holy, and he is, but if, he was, if his function as a holy man was as we knew it to be or as we thought it should be, Christ should never have gone to the house of sinners. Christ should have remained in the synagogues. He should remain standing behind the altar. But do you know what Christ was doing? Hovering over darkness. He was where darkness was reigning supreme. I want you to hear me again with what I'm, say, what I'm saying to you, COD. That God has never, from the beginning, ran away from darkness. So why does the church, why do we isolate ourselves from certain people? Because they seem formless. They seem empty. They seem void. And it's clear that darkness reigns over them supreme. Why do we separate and isolate ourselves from them? We do so because we do not understand the function of the spirit. The spirit, you know, Every time, and I'm wrapping up with this, 
Because I'm going to be taking you into pockets of words and pockets of prayer. You see, any time we say to ourselves that the Spirit of God should not be where darkness is. Any time we say that God should not be in Brixton. Any time we say that God should not be with that fornicator. Do you know what we're actually saying? That God can somehow be contaminated. That's what we're saying. You know, scripture at one point began to say things like, and darkness could not comprehend the light. It could not understand it. It could not reason with it. It could not know. It, it couldn't understand why light can function here and not become it. So I'm not talking to the person who has not yet become light. Because the person who has not become light will dance and enjoy with darkness. But a person that is light knows that they can be in the midst of darkness and they will not in any way contaminate their bearings on Christ. So look at our leader. Why has he got so, or why has he got so much or gained much ground in London City? They see him with the people who darkness is clearly seen over their lives. These are not people whose darkness are hidden. These are people that right next to him, you can hear them rapping about the things that our kingdom is against. But you see, if you are really light, scripture says to us that you will not hide light under a table, but you will put it on top of a hill so that it can shine light and darkness will continuously ask of itself, why is a priest, a light bearer, in the midst, in my territory, and why am I unable to contaminate her? The reason why he won't be able to contaminate her is because in her lives the spirit of God. Who from the beginning has never, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Has never ran away from darkness. So what am I saying to you? I've tasked COD. We need to go and win souls. And yes, it may seem like it's just for a cinema service. It's a statement of our purpose. We are saying to God that we understand based on the counsel given to us that this is what you choose and this is what you want to do through us. Now, what is the enabling power to do it? Not my wisdom. Not my intellect. Not what I have or do not have. But if I am well informed of the functionalities, the operations, and the move of the Spirit. What I don't want us to do, because sometimes we get occupied with ourselves. Sometimes we get occupied with mundane situations that are painful situations like death that we face. Dark, formless, chaos. And they are great testimonies that we can also bear witness to. But what we must not forget was that after everything Christ came on earth to do was so that God can release the promise. What was going to make the church effective. 
He was going to release it over the church. This was why Christ died, that we may have the life of God live through us once again. And what is it about God that I need you to take note of when you go out to win souls? When you go out to raise finances? I want you to know that you will drink poison and it will not harm you. The serpent will bite you and you will not be harmed. I don't care what harms your neighbor. If the spirit lives in you, it cannot harm you. So do not restrain the light from darkness. Darkness is still trying to reason why an IB can be in her in its midst and not be contaminated. You must be light. Men, are you listening to me? You must be bold. There's no gang member you fear. There's no consequence you fear. There's no word spoken against the, the nation family that makes you inactive or incapable of performing a work somewhere. Because very shortly, I'm going to be sending some of you. We're going to be sending ourselves throughout the nation. And I'm not waiting for suitable conditions. I just need to know that I am light. And I need those that we're sending to believe that they are light, that the spirit of God lives in them. And this spirit of God does not run away from darkness. So what do I need you to do and know and to keep reminding yourself as we close? That you see this kingdom that we fight for. It is not on the defensive. We're not the ones trying to defend our territory. We are the one on the offense. We are the one to be reckoned with. We're the ones to be feared. We're not to fear. For the spirit that I have given you is not the spirit of fear. It's not of timidity. But it's of power, love, and a sound mind. So what I need you to do from your leaders, from a pastor Elohim to a pastor Glody to, uh, to all of you, to a pastor Basola to a pastor Chrissy to a pastor Kida to every single one of us every one of us the ones that I've named the ones I didn't name you now need to spur one another to good works and deeds light is the immunity to darkness rightly so to Mashi. you must now begin to almost psych yourselves up knowing that as far as you go on your knees because you understand the functions of the spirit you cannot be put away with we do not fear death. We do not fear harm. There's no such thing as we spoke and it didn't work. The word of God is the most potent instrument in the whole of the universe. If we speak and if we believe in what we speak, it will be, it will be sown into the depths of man. So when I was saying to the men and when I was saying to some of you that soon I'll be speaking about God's army, hear me now. That you are not just mere human beings. You are people, enforcers that are driving a goal and vision of a kingdom. Do you hear me, COD? So I want you to go back and listen to this word. I want you to work with your leaders. We've got a target to reach. Do not pull yourself. Do not isolate yourself from the world. I don't care who they are. You are more powerful with them. Powerful than them, sorry. Because the spirit of the almighty God lives in you and what did we learn first about him? He does not run away from darkness. I love you all. Enjoy your day. Bye, guys.